Boyd and Brooks podcast. I'm Laura Blavier Boyd. I'm Genevieve Nadler Brooks, and we are your hosts. On the Boyd and Brooks podcast, we want to bring you meaningful and fun spiritual conversations. In these conversations, we seek to explore vocational callings, authentic living, life mottos, and how faith and spirituality play an integral role in our lives. We hope that you will listen, enjoy, and share the podcast. We encourage you to subscribe to the Boyd and Brooks podcast on iTunes. It makes this podcast really easy to find in whatever platform you use to manage your podcasts. It also helps our podcast to be easier to find for other people. You can find us on social media. Our favorite is Instagram at Boyd and Brooks, as well as our blog, boydandbrooks.com. Here we go. Hi, welcome back the Boyd and Brooks podcast. So excited to talk about something that I love talking about endlessly, generational differences. Yep. Today we're talking about millennials and Gen Xers. Yeah, and so this morning, which one are you? Are you a boomer, Gen Xer, millennial, or now what are they calling the even youngest generation? They are the plural generation or the homeland generation, because very okay. first generation to grow up with homeland security. Uh-huh. Oh, interesting. And also called plurals because they're going to be the most ethnically diverse generation um, yet. So these would be folks that are college and younger, college students and younger. Yes. Right. So which generation are you? I'm a Gen Xer, Uh right at the end. Right at the end. Right at the end. I mean, well, yeah, kind of at the end, not the very end. Okay. And so give us a definition of Gen Xers. Okay, so Gen Xers were born in the early to mid-60s through the late 70s. Okay. So you need to think about um, their parents lived through, or, you know, they at the earliest were living through Vietnam War. They're going through the women's movement. And then they're being raised um, in the 80s when their parents are um, becoming dual-income households. So moms are off into the workplace now. Kids are coming home after school with their key, letting themselves in. So we're definitely known as the latchkey generation. So a lot of, you know, uh, you know, a lot of autonomy and independence early on, which I think is really a foundational hallmark to Gen Xers. Um, We are also known as the MTV generation growing up with that, but also grunge you know, becomes heavy for us as we're growing up in high school and college. Um, sometimes we're called slackers, which we'll make a note of that because we need to circle back to that when we talk about millennials too. Um, but highly cynical. Um, and I think, you know, our, our generation is one that has really lived through a lot of financial recessions. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really interesting because what, what I was reading was this is a generation that is one of the least focused on kids because all these things were happening for adults, for our parents, which is, I think, you know, then obviously what flips with that um, is what happens with the millennials, um, which is just really interesting. Um, So also we grew up like during the time of like say no to drugs and drug wars and um, all that kind of thing. So Gen X is known to be in the workplace kind of entrepreneurial but we're also being known now as the forgotten generation. So in the workplace, because we're sandwiched between these boomers who are still here hanging out, just like up at the corporate level, up at the top, being like, we're just going to keep doing this. And then you've got millennials coming in and 
you know, it's like there's a lot of attention on millennials in the workplace and how they're changing the workplace. And so Gen Xers are kind of in the middle, I think, kind of angry mm -hmm. in a lot of ways, being like, okay, hello, still here. <laughs> Some attention, please. So anyway, that, that's, our, that's my generation. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All makes really good. All makes a lot of sense. So I'm a millennial. And um, I, millennials, they're saying now are like early 80s um, to late 90s and even early 2000s. So um, some, some other places are saying like 1983 to 97 and then other places are saying through 2003, 2005. So that's a, a big gap. Um, millennials are... Um, like raised right with the internet with computers um we none of us had typewriters all of us had word processing raised by boomers um for the most part and um grew up um with cell phones a lot of mm. millennials had cell phones while they were in high school some middle school um, and so the millennials are now kind of at the beginning phases of the workplace um, and, and in their first, like, you know, some folks are early 30s. And so kind of in that um, zone where they're not the newbies, necessarily the newest newbies anymore, mm -hmm. but um, certainly known for um, being spoiled um, there's a lot of stereotypes that are like really negative um, about millennials. So needing to be praised for everything, um, not really lazy, um, and um, not certainly not conformist. They're not loyal to very many things. Mm -hmm. um, so those are kind of some of the stereotypes about millennials that um, I hate all of them. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, w I would think being known as lazy and entitled probably couldn't get much worse. Right. I right. mean, just as a labeled generation. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's so interesting the more that I talk to, um, especially people that are my parents' age. So you're, you're at the end of the boomer of, mm -hmm. of the boomers. And, um, they're really like, they're trying to figure out millennials because I think they're joining the they're joining the workforce and it's like people were apparently causing all, all sorts of like ruckus right and it's really interesting I was telling somebody about how you know the this whole idea of being praised all the time right mm -hmm. of constant feedback and I think that again the school system and our parents there was this whole thing about our parents could see our grades with the, all of this computer stuff. So our parents could see our grades all the time. We could see our grades all the time. Mm -hmm. um, certainly in later high school and college, which is, I think, really your where, where you form most of your how the world works kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so can we pause for yeah. a second? So so this is like a major difference between Gen X and, and Millennials. Mm -hmm. is the, in Generation X, our parents didn't have access to that, but I'm not sure even if they would have in that generation, they would have cared mm -hmm. because they were more thinking about themselves, not necessarily their children. And then pa parents of the Millennials are like, my child is so important. I want to make sure they have everything that they need. Mm -hmm. There's all this um, research that comes out about how kids need to be raised with positivity and self-esteem becomes like the major thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
And I, I really think that my experience of growing up um, and kind of my friends in the upper middle class um, or lower upper class, whatever you want to call it, but um, was really about, about like valuing everybody. Um, one of the things that I heard a lot in church and school and at home was everybody can add. Everybody has something to add. Mm -hmm. Everybody has value. And I'm, I'm just wondering where that comes from this, like, because competition has always been there. And mm -hmm. I think, you know, we never had a bell curve. I heard about bell curve grading. Never, never had any kind of bell curve grading. You got what you got. There was no comparing you to other students kind of thing. It was like, which was just, um, I was like, how, how did you grade people like that? Like you just picked the top third. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I just remember that in high school being like, like, people don't get what they earn. Like, well, what's so funny to me, though, is one of the things that I learned um, in when I was in higher education was some school systems would be like, because parents were so involved, uh, they would complain so much to teachers and to principals about, well, Johnny needs a second chance to do this. Or here's all the reasons why Johnny should be able to turn this in late. And so it created this system-wide, in some systems, not all systems, but... Where we are, some systems would be like, okay, well, yeah, here's the deadline for this project, but yeah, I mean, you can turn it in anytime throughout the, mm. the whole semester just to ensure that people could get the grades they wanted. Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? Interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, my my experience was, was certainly like, um, was certainly closer to, you know, I don't, I don't. I mean, I guess I do have memories of people, like, having to be out for three weeks and, like, special concessions being made for them. But for the most part, it was like, no. I do I do have a lot of memories, though, of parents coming in, of the, the idea of parents coming in and being like, my kid needs an extension, but teachers being like, no, we've had the deadline, you've had the deadline, this is a part of it. Um, which, again, I'm, I'm wondering where that, like, parent competition comes from of, like, making sure that my kid gets ahead. How do I how do I ensure their every success? Right. Um, because I do think that um, I think that in a lot of ways there there is a lot of positive that comes out of I don't know what I was talking about before the the idea that everybody has something to add that for a long time it was the most athletic the absolute smartest and you're kind of like settled to to be behind them in whatever place but. I have a lot of memories in high school of like, oh, coming up with new ideas, doing lots of group projects. Like everybody has something that they need to add to this. And so the whole idea of everybody getting a trophy, right? That's just like everybody gets all riled up about that. Right. Because they think what they're being told is like, you're so special. Right. Which I love the way that you framed it because mm -hmm. for me, it helps me understand like, no, what we were saying is like everybody had a place and everybody had value, right. which is very different from saying, Hey, everyone's a special snowflake. Right. Right. And I, and I do think that, that it's a, it's a phrasing thing, right? That if you have participation trophies, that, that is kind of, you could take it that way. Probably some people did take it that way, mm -hmm. but I think, I think that what, again, my experience was, was like, okay, I wasn't, I wasn't the MVP of the team, but our team still had a great season and I was a part of the team, right? Mm -hmm. Being the 
tall girl that played center in middle school, right? Like we, you, you, we needed you on the team. So let me ask you this. Do you think that that mentality makes your generation much more group or team oriented or even community oriented? Mm -hmm. Because I don't get that same feeling from Gen Xers. Yeah. That the community oriented, certainly. I think, I think our generation is certainly one of inclusion. Mm -hmm. Um, I also think, right. Like, how big the Special Olympics were, mm. um, being a part of um, kind of the having having students that had different abilities or disabilities in our classrooms. Um, I think that well, because during so during your years, inclusion and in, like classroom right. inclusion was yeah, huge, huge, right? And and I think that that made sense, right? It, so I think that that has certainly led us to be, you know, we're one of the most tolerant generations. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I think those experiences of high school being like, yeah, they're they're really the same as me, just a little bit different, mm-hmm. but I'm kind of different too. Yeah. And so I think I think the the everybody gets a trophy thing was really like, well. You know, if all these people didn't weren't on the team, we wouldn't have a team. So it's important that we that we celebrate. And just because you weren't the the fastest person, that doesn't mean that you you don't have value. Mm-hmm. And so I do think though that as that's translated to the workplace or translated to other places, I think that that has had this like, do you see me quality? Mm. Am am I seen? Am I valued? Because if I'm not, then I don't need to be here. So I think there is there is this like residual effect of that that's mm-hmm. like we're not just showing up someplace to just show up because we've had all the options, right? This is this is a generation where lots of people played all the sports. They did all these extracurricular activities. People were over programmed, right? right? So you have a generation that doesn't necessarily I, I don't know, that's not fair. I was gonna say it doesn't necessarily know to like sit still and, and, but I think that might just be me. (laughs) But I I do think, I think, I think part of that is true because I think millennial parents wanted their kids to have all the opportunities. Right. And so having all the opportunities meant doing, taking advantage like every day after school, like Mm -hmm. what's your program going to be? What are you going to be doing? What are you involved with? And so it did lead to, I think, overscheduling of that generation. Yeah. Well, and so and so you you come to um, a place like the church, mm-hmm. and you know, with all the different options of places that we could go, people to be seen by. I think there is this this um, this like being known thing that I do think millennials crave. Like, am I noticed? Am I valued? Am I known here? That that they are craving. Like, they're not showing up just to show up anywhere, which we see. I think especially in the church. Right. Um, so, so we're fascinated in how these generations are churching. Right. And, and one of the things we were talking about earlier were, or yeah, was boomers kind of created this God and country mentality. Mm-hmm. And it's like, we, I think we go to church cause it's part of what we do, but you know, I don't need to go every Sunday. Right. And then Gen Xers are like, I mean, you know, I don't have to do this. I don't have to. And then you were saying, yeah. And then millennials are like, well, we don't even want to. <laughs> right, right. If this isn't something we want to do, we're not we're going. Just, yeah, we're not down. Right. Which I find fascinating because 
I'm thinking like, well, what does this mean for the future of the church? Yeah, yeah. So, so tell us what you think about Gen Xers in church, in church activities, going to church, valuing church. I think I'm still trying to figure this out because I'm not sure like that I'm a normal quote unquote standard Gen Xer mm-hmm. in, in the church just because I, it, that was just such a huge part of how I was raised. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, during, during my time growing up, that was also when it was like church needed to become relevant. Mm. There was this huge relevancy movement and almost entertaining in a way Mm -hmm. um that's where like these big concert type Mm -hmm. worship services came about you know christian rock music was really coming about so it was like hey we we really want to bridge the gap between secular and and faith life church Mm -hmm. life um and, and trying to bridge them in that way i think that um i think gen xers are still trying to find their place Mm. and um I think they also want to be you said millennials want to be known I think I think Gen Xers want to be recognized it's like Mm -hmm. it's like you're on the the minor league team waiting to be called up Mm. and you want someone to be like yes you you have these talents and these gifts please come and come forward and use them yeah. and so because of that like gen Xers are still like in the hierarchy of things they're still they're still believe in the system right. they're trying to trying to work the system mm-hmm. trying try to work the hierarchy yeah. and and I think that's why they're so cynical and frustrated because it's almost like they're the waiting it's a generation of waiting mm-hmm. and so what is what does that mean for an energy well I think that's what we're doing we're kind of just like well let's Maybe someone will call me up and I'll I'll play a meaningful role. Maybe I won't. I don't really know what's happening. We're kind of a wait and see attitude generation, I think. Uh-huh. Well, the system, okay. Yep. I, this is something that has been really fascinating to me about how the boomers kind of followed this greatest generation right. and they are super invested in the system, the status quo, right? This is how everything because everything this is how we've always done it. Right. This is how we've always <laughs> done it. And things didn't change all that much, right? Between their parents' generation. This is again me I'm making some pretty big, big leaps here. Yeah, but... so understand people that these are our experiences <laughs> and our observations. This is not not high yeah, end research. Right, right, right. Well, and I, I think that, that boomers come in, they want that they're they are doing the same things with better technology, but they're doing the same things that's always been done. Right. And Gen Xers come in and they're like, all right, I see how the system works. I'm going to, I'm going to do the steps. And the millennials come in and we're like, man, the system is so screwed up. This is plus we can do things more efficiently, faster, work smarter so that we can go on great vacations, right? Like boomers are all about like work really hard and then play really hard. Right. And I think millennials came in like, what? You can do that all the time. You do not need to work. We get email on our phones, why do you need me in the office from eight until five? Why? Tell right. me why. Mm-hmm. You can get in touch with me all the time. So if I take a lunch to go do something that is worthwhile, I mean, this this is just like blowing. I mean, it does. I think that it blows people's minds because I think millennials with this over-programming, it was like, I got to do my homework. Mm-hmm. I got to get my stuff ready. And then I'm done. So right. it's like, if there's not tasks on your plate, why am I here mm-hmm. to just sit here? 
You, you literally could access me whenever you want to. Why would I sit in an office and wait for somebody to come in when they could just talk to me on the phone or send me a text? Yeah, Gen Xers are going to wait in their office and, and wait for someone to call them. Right. Millennials right. are like, I'm going to leave the office. Call me if you need me. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> but I think, I think that Gen Xers are like, they're at the end of that like, well, hold on. Mm-hmm. I was following all the steps to do the system. Yeah. For the, waiting for the promotion because I'm putting in the time. I have the degrees. I, I'm getting the experience and then millennials are like, man, this system is so jacked up anyway, not invested. Like we have better ideas. Doesn't matter. Well, we have better ideas. I don't know. I think that, that with how drastically different technology is with social media, with Mm -hmm. how online everything is, with how integrated systems are, that it's like millennials come in with this understanding of it because it was how we grew up. Right. So we come in and we're like, well, hold on. Like, we don't need to be publishing books. We don't need to be – put it online. Like, right. people are going to – people can access it if they want Well, to. also, I, if, I'm a, if I'm a millennial, I'm like, why do I need to enter the system? I'll yeah. just create my own business. Right. Right here with the internet. Right. And so I don't need to – I don't need to come to you, but you can come to me. Which I'm wondering then, how does that parlay into church? Right. I certainly think that um, – my experience is, well, let's talk about money real quick. Okay. Because I do think there is this really interesting thing where people are like, millennials aren't giving money. Millennials aren't, give, aren't giving money. And I'm not really sure Gen Xers are right. giving money. Because, I don't think so because we're still paying off our student loans. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I think I think that you do have this greatest generation that that we're doing things because that's how, what you were supposed to do. I think you come in with boomers who are like, yeah. Well, we want to, we'll, we'll tithe and then we'll, but we're not necessarily going to throw in all the money. Well, now they're, they're the ones that are making the most money in theory, um, by and large. And so they are the major players, but then you do have Gen Xers that are like that cynical side that are like, but wait, what is my money going to? I think that Gen Xers really want to know line item by line item. They're not blindly giving. Like right. boomers were like, right. all right, the church says that they need this much. All right, we'll yeah. Write a I check. mean, I think Gen Xers they they want to be sold on why. Right. Right. How? What is this going to go for? What's it going to do? And then, I mean, I think there's also a little bit of so. How does that relate to me? Right. Right. How? What? How's this going to benefit? I mean, I think right. there is some like, how is this going to benefit me? Right. Questioning. Right. right. And I think I think millennials come in and are like. There's so many, there's so many places to give your money that it is a competition, right? Like between Kickstarter, Mm. I mean, right? Like I'm helping start small businesses as we speak on Mm -hmm. Kickstarter, right? Right. Um, I'm giving to a lot of different places that are doing humanitarian aid in foreign countries, which I think a lot of churches and um, religious organizations are also doing that. But you have, again, these these religious organizations, let's talk big church, right? Some of them are not as efficient and good at telling that story as some of these smaller nonprofits that are like, listen, we see a need, we need to do it, get the image, get the website, get the Facebook banner, we're going. And then suddenly you're scrolling through and you're like, like this stuff in Syria, it's, uh, it's unbelievable. 
how do I get money to these people right now? And this message is, we will get your money to them right now. These Mm -hmm. are accreditations. Let's go. And then you've got, you know, your church budget over here that's like, yes, well, you know, half a percent will go to this denomination organization that will then get to where it needs to go. Right. And so I think, again, it's like the working smarter, not harder thing is like where... Well, and outside the system. And outside the system. So I think I think that millennials certainly are not loyal to the system. Right. They want, they're like, this. certainly this does not need to be this hard. Well, and I think, I think one of the things that we were also seeing is that people are... Okay, so there's also been the rise of non-denominational churches, yeah. and I also feel like people's spiritual language has changed. Mm. They're, they're not so quick to say like, oh, well, I'm such and such denomination. I think in, in millennials are much more likely to be um, of the mindset like, I'm a Jesus follower, yeah. and it's not about religion, it's about the relationship. Yeah. And that, if, that, if that could be a spiritual tagline for your generation, I think that, that yes. that's what it would be. Yeah. And would you say that your crew was kind of the first that were like, we're spiritual, but not religious. That cynicism coming in like, well, I believe, but I'm not really religious. I don't really enjoy going to... I think that's probably true. I think yeah. that could be said, yeah. 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 I'm really... I really do think, though, that the cynicism piece comes through because of, like, how burned, like, you've gotten before. Right. Right? That, like... I mean, you think you're you're doing what you're supposed to do. So here we are, we're, as a generation, we're in the middle of doing all the things we're supposed to do. Then all of a sudden, you've got things like NAFTA happening. And then all of a sudden, all these jobs are going overseas or the rise of the internet. And then people are like, well, you know, with globalization. Right. So then people are like, well, you know, I can, I can outsource this. Right. To some people in another country and I can pay these people less than I can pay. And so... You know, you have people with like, you know, thinking like, well, I'm going to get the degree, right? you know, so I can get the job, but then maybe the job isn't even there right. by the time you're done with that. Right. Um, so I think that le- that's what led to a lot of cynicism. Well, right. The whole system was in place, right? Like the boomers, like what kinds of student loans, right? Right. Boomers are buying houses as soon as they graduate college. I mean, for them, higher education was much more affordable. Mm -hmm. And, um, I mean, I'm, I'm hazarding a guess. I'd have to research this to know if this is actually true, but I think, you know, you had a lot of people quote unquote in the service. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people went to a lot of, particularly men went to, you know, college on, um, you know, benefits. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, of course. I mean, you come out and you're very well positioned and the corporate job is there for you Mm -hmm. that you work the ladder. And so you are achieving just inerrantly because of the system, you know, but then, so the previous generation is like, great, I've seen this now. I I know what I need to do, but then it all like breaks down and crashes down in the middle of when you, when you finally get there. Right. I I totally agree. And I think, you know, I, I've told people this too, but like my first memory of like knowing what was going on with corporations, right, was like Enron, right? So like I remember you saying this, and that was such a good, that was such good insight for me about millennials. Yeah, like well, clearly the corporation is corrupt. Clearly, like these corporations are not looking out for the interest of their people. None of them. Right. So that lead to so what you were saying is like this led to this generational distrust oh, yeah. of the systems and the corporations Absolutely. and the hierarchies, which 
then manifests itself, though, in the church. Right, right. I mean, again, you've got, like, you've got the president getting impeached. And so it's like, who who wants that job anyway? Right. Like, we don't... <laughs> Do we do we want to work up this corporate ladder where we have to sacrifice all these things? And again, I do think that you have some people that, some millennial, right? Like we're I, we're just grossly over exaggerating for for the for the points we're trying right. to make. But I do think for the most part, you do have some people that are like millennials don't trust the system. This the system is clearly screwed skewed against the people, mm-hmm. right? So how do how do I, you know, make my way and make a living um, and add purposeful work? I think that's another piece of millennials that is really like, um, I I don't, I really think there's a lot of good that can be done. So I think growing up with this globalization, right, of growing up where everything is global, you can, you we knew the news headlines, right, all over the world yeah. growing up. So we can see all of these humanitarian needs. We see what hunger is. I mean, you know, global hunger crisis has been happening for so long that I think that there is this like, okay, there is meaningful work to be done that makes people's lives better that's not just cashing in the paycheck. So how do we how do we merge those two together? Mm-hmm. And so I think there is um, things need to be meaningful okay so I love that you do you have said this before but tell us about the difference between meaningful and relevant and just your general feelings about relevancy in general because I love it when you say this I I, I, well first of all I hate relevancy (laughs) (laughs) I'm like what what does that even particularly in the church like what does that even mean right and so uh, so I think I think what you're referring to is um, I, I think that in in student ministry, mm-hmm. there is a, a belief system, an erroneous belief system, that leaders need to be quote unquote relevant, and that also means that's also code for being young, right? And that those two things, if I'm hip and I'm cool, then then I can relate. I'm like, no, you can't. No, I mean that that is not a given, right. and so. I think when we, we've put so much emphasis um, in the church with students in this, but again, millennials have such a high meter for sniffing out what is inauthentic. Yes. Right. That leads to, again, it plays into the distrust. Right. And so what I'm trying to say is in the church, friends, you need to be authentic. Right. You need to be your real you, the real you that the God made you to be, mm-hmm. because that's what's appealing to people. Yeah. That's the that's the thing that's gonna build trust. Right. And that's gonna allow us to to be in relationship with one another and right. then to be in relationship with Christ. Right. Right. So so if somebody's telling you like, but this needs to be relevant, throw it throw it out the window. Just yeah. just just bag that. Right, bag that. Yeah. Well, so so back to, you know, uh, millennials and kind of what we grew up with, you know. Yep. I think, too, about the Catholic sex scandal, right? Yeah. So that's happening, right, as we're, like, coming into realization of, of what, what is happening, who we are. Also, um, I, I, I have this memory of, like, being in um, high school and 
just knowing about a lot of um, pastors who were getting divorced, having affairs, um, splitting up churches. Um, and so yeah. this, this, the, that sniffing out the, the BS really, I mean, I do think that our generation is constantly, I mean, growing up with Photoshop, everything, everything is marketed to people. Right. You know, I think that there is, there is this thing where like, oh, well, clearly that's fake. Clearly this is fake. Okay. Well, preacher man, youth pastor, all the words that you're saying, good, but tell me about your marriage. Mm, Tell me about how you raise your kids. Tell me about the ways that you pray with your kids. Tell me about the ways that you tithe with your family. Tell me about how you spend your money on places that aren't making their clothes in Indonesia. Tell me about how those things are important to you as the leader mm-hmm. because otherwise I'm, I'm what does it even that, mean? Right. I'm right. sticking that stuff out and it, then it's all it's all lip service. Right. Because that's what we've been getting from all higher powers from since forever. Right. right. And then we look around and we're like, how can these people be buying this B- BS? Right. Like how? Right. And I, so I think that I think there is this thing about about church and relevancy that people say, but I think what they mean is authenticity. Mm-hmm. How does this actually look when you're when you're really when you're really living it out? Right. And so the the relevancy piece is like, well of course this is relevant. <laughs> like what are you what are you doing? You don't have to try it that. Right. Tell me tell me about how this is this is real. And so I think that with church, I think you do find millennials in all of these articles talking about authenticity. Mm-hmm. I think that you have to have real community. People don't just want to show up to be a number because I, they're not showing up. Yes. Can I somebody recently we were in conversation didn't really understand the meaning of authenticity. Mm-hmm. And I think what I want to, what we want to say about that, authenticity is when something is its real self as it is presented. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Right. It's like in, in relevancy, I may be just showing you what you want in order to to create this faux relationship, but authenticity means like everything that I say is in line and is genuine and sincere. Right. Um, and and that's that's the kind of the crux of that that's important. Right. And I think I think there is this um, that it. Um, this inherent like complicatedness or multifacetedness that has to be present. Like it's not just all buttoned up with a bow. There has to be, okay, so what does it look like though when the bow tie comes off and you're not wearing your seersucker suit? Right. Like what, what does kind of the rest of it look like? Are you willing, right. there, there is this like inherent vulnerability piece that has to come with authenticity. Right. Um, and, uh, and so I think, I can't be somebody different at church than I am in, in, mm. in the community and at home. Yeah. Hashtag that. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag praise me. All I'm saying is I think that 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 there has to be this holistic approach that that is a part of being authentic. It can't just be one side. Okay. Exactly. So so what does that mean mm-hmm. for the church moving forward? Like what do you what do you think that's gonna mean? How are I mean, so we had a conversation with somebody who basically said, uh, future of the church is the churches are gonna break down. 
Mm -hmm. and but the millennials will be there to save it Mm -hmm. because they're the ones that are going to be able to think about create creatively problem solve Mm -hmm. how how to restructure the church so Mm -hmm. that it's it's something that will continue to to grow and thrive Mm -hmm. and the reason we say this is because mainline denominations Mm -hmm. are are really dwindling um, in numbers and so this is what's bringing about this kind of you know this kind of fear about like mm-hmm. what's happening in the church and with the church. Yeah. I think, I think there's going to be a lot more social justice. I think there's going to be a lot more, um, serving that's a part of the church. Like if you're not, if you're just showing up for a worship service, um, those numbers are going to dwindle. Mm-hmm. You, the people that are going to stay are going to be the people that are really committed, um, to serving in some capacity, maybe, maybe doing social justice, maybe, um, Maybe they are the usher, greeter, welcomer folks, but the mm-hmm. people that are serving are going to be the people that are staying. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that I think you're really you even see it now this kind of resurgence of like the house church mm-hmm. of meeting in people's homes of it being a smaller group um, and of being known. I think that you're going to see a lot more of that of um, yeah. People really wanting to be in relationship with one another and doing all of life together, not just Sunday mornings or Sunday nights, but doing all of life together. Mm -hmm. I think, I hope that you're going to see a lot more mentorship happening between generations. I think that you're going to, you're going to find value in having a lot more intergenerational programming. And I love, we went to a conference together and one of the things that people talked about is like, not multi-generation, but intergeneration means um, doing the same thing with all generations. And a lot of those are like practices. Right. So if you're, if you're learning about prayer, you're, there's, you know, an elementary school kid, a high school kid, a young adult, a parent, a grandparent, a great grandparent, all doing the same thing together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, You, so, so it's not the older people serving the younger people or the, right. We saw this great video of, right. Like the, the teenage genius bar of teenagers teaching, um, boomers and greatest how to use their iPads or, or whatever. Right. But yes, that's, that's all really awesome, but that's not necessarily intergenerational. Right. Um, well, I think real intergenerational where that is brought together by practicing spiritual disciplines Mm -hmm. also leads to, um, that, that mentorship piece. And I think when it comes to faith and building your faith, one of the things I think that young people are, are dying to know is how did you experience this? Yeah. Where was God for you? How did you get through something? You know, how did you navigate this? Right. Right. I think that's what they're really just, striving to know just right. deeply want to know right um and i think yeah good well i was gonna say too i i think you've got between gen xers and millennials some of the most educated people um that have you know like ever walked the earth as as general populations go over in you know western civilization and so i think you also you there have to be practical pieces to things like people aren't showing up just to get new ideas we can get those we are getting those all day, every day anyway. So we're showing up to figure out how to put things into practice. And so I think the way that the church is going to look is 
is much more focused on how 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 this Jesus guy makes a difference in your life, right? Not just your your John thirteen for God so loved the world that He gave His only Son mm-hmm. that whoever believes in Him will have eternal life. You know, it's like okay, well, mm-hmm, know it, memorized <laughs> it, but what what difference does that make in how I live my life and how my family exists and how I relate to other humans and how we as a society relate to the world and creation. And so I think you're going to have a lot more, you know, people that are really not just about the spiritual disciplines, but how, how that makes you um, more whole. Mm. How does that help you be more of the person that you were created to be? And I think that you will see again the, the meaningful work that places are doing. I think that you'll, you're going to stop seeing churches build big castles, right? These big, these huge properties with Sunday school classrooms and preschools. And I think that's going to that's gonna dwindle down where people are like, we'll use schools. We will use the places that are already here or we're building community centers. Right. Our, I think clergy will become more involved in the community. Yes, and yes. There, there will be a better integration. There won't be such a separation. Right. Which I think is really a repeat of what has happened in the mm-hmm. past. Like it, mm-hmm. we're kind of getting back in that cycle of we've got to be integrated. We've got to be community leaders, mm-hmm. not just congregation leaders. Right. Um, but I think I think it is going to be kind of a boiling back down, distilling out mm-hmm. the most important, and the fluff is going to float away. We have talked about this before too, about how there are there, especially in student ministry, a lot of places have caught on to what works really well. Like even in workplaces, you'll see common workspaces. You'll see the coffee station um, really being a place where people can congregate and sit, not just go to a cafeteria or the the break room is really turned into kind of a central place mm-hmm. because you know even companies realize that a lot of good conversation can happen around food, um, around having a place to be greeted. Um, but with with student ministry. We're not the monop- we don't have the monopoly over mission trips anymore or mm. service trips, right? You've got lots of private schools. You've got lots of schools doing great trips where they go and they're they're doing some service component of it. I think that you also have um, you're you're seeing other companies pop up that are doing this for families, mm-hmm. which is great. Which before you really needed the church. To be able to do a trip to Mexico to right. experience other cultures and see how other people are doing church, but to also learn from other people and to help help in any way that you can. Mm-hmm. But I think that now the church doesn't have that um, ownership over those experiences anymore. Here where we are in Raleigh, there's um, it's, it's National Charity League that is mothers serving with daughters. And I think they're older elementary school, middle school um, mm-hmm. girls and their moms mm-hmm. in high school. And, you know, it's so interesting because sometimes they serve on Sunday nights, which it's fascinating because you'll, I'll talk to parents that are like, well, we have national charity league tonight. So we're going to go serve at the soup kitchen together. So we can't be at whatever youth group program mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, so how do we all get in on that? Right? right. Like, yeah, you should be going and serving with your mom. What a what an absolute and to and to be with other moms and daughters serving mm-hmm. versus you know playing my 
games and whatever, like, yes, I want to encourage you to do that. Wish they weren't on the same night, but no, that's, that's a really probably important part of your development as a mm-hmm. person. But it's interesting that that's, that's not church related. Right. Right. So anyway, I think, I think that the church has done some really great things that other pieces of society have, have said, wow, that's really great. I mean, um, my husband's corporate job, they just had a serving day where they went to downtown Raleigh. Um, they did, um, worked in a soup kitchen, also did a big stop hunger now, and then all had lunch together. Mm -hmm. Right. So like that was their team building day. We see Mm -hmm. all these, um, different places doing habitat for humanity Mm -hmm. as teams in organizations. Right. So people are catching on to what we're doing. And yet in so many ways, we're not the leaders in how we run our organizations, how we, um, well, I think, forward. I think an argument could be made that, you know, the church has been a leader and in the, the, the secular world has noted this yeah. and they're like, wow, there's really something that we can take away from this. Mm-hmm. And they've integrated that. And that's why those things aren't needed in the church anymore. But this is where people start getting scared because yeah. they think that everything's dying. But like you and I like to say, something has to die in order for something new to be born. Yeah. And so, yes, how we've operated as a church, globally speaking, may be changing and evolving into something new, but that can be such a place of abundance for us if we will just learn to let go. Yeah. I mean, it's the greatest spiritual lesson I think that's about to play out in the church. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right, friends, there you have it, talking about generations and where we think the church is headed. And I think my question for for folks is, where where are you going to be plugged in? How are you going to be the way that, that you are in your generation um, is functioning? How are you going to be a leader for what is being reborn in whatever religious context you find yourself? How's that going to be going to be, you know, a game changer for the people that you're around? And final thought is. Don't live in fear. Know that things are going to change, and that's okay. And that something new can be just as wonderful um, if you will just embrace it. Yeah. All right, friends. Till next time. Go in peace. Mm -hmm.